to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you have decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. You can follow us, uh, Local Bar Media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Questions, comments, concerns, chat at localbarmedia.com. And as always, you can uh, support us over at patreon.com slash localbar. It's a very, very special, this is a very special episode with Don Merkel coming up. This is the conclusion to the other episode. Now, I do want to tell you, this one is long, and it should be. I wanted to, I thought about cutting this up into three parts. It didn't make sense. The first part sets up what the music and everything's about. The second part is just stories and music, and it's fantastic. I hope you enjoy this. For those of you that may be new to this show, Don Merkel is a singer-songwriter out of Charleston, South Carolina, who's got uh, has been um, uh, part of the music scene here in this part of these United States uh, for quite a while. Uh, he's got another album coming out here October 18th. Uh, it's called Rumor of a Ghost, and Don has spent some time with us discussing the songs and the stories behind the songs and some other stories that have nothing to do with the songs, and it's been uh, it's, it was a great interview last week, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to this one. I, it's one of my favorite, favorite interviews I've ever done. I do want to go ahead and tell you up front, it obviously, it, you could tell we've been drinking for an hour when we start this one, okay? Uh, and it, it doesn't really go downhill, but there's a, there's, a slight, there's a slight curve just down the hill a little bit. We still keep it classy, though, like you would expect. Um, if you are interested in this album or anything else that Don Merkel is doing, if you listened to the show and heard his music now for the past few years as our bumper music and thought, man, I really would like to find out more about that you can check him out at uh, donmerkel.com, but probably the best thing to do is to follow him on Instagram or Facebook uh, at Don Merkel. Uh, it's, it's where he updates a lot of stuff, really cool pictures. If he does any giveaways, that's where you'll find out about it. If you, if you do want to message the show here, we will connect you to him as well. So without further ado, here is uh, this very, very special after school special with Don Merkel. There's there's songs you've written before. Try to in the, get fancy with it. <laughs> there's songs you've written before in the past. You, you know you've had other bands. Uh, I mean you you've had other bands other than the Blacksmiths. I don't know who would listen to them. Of course. Um, when you had American Gun, Bare Knuckle Champions, all, all that stuff. But you know you, you go all the way back to um, Lot Ness Johnny. Uh, you mm-hmm. and who's that? You Ace. Who else is in that band? Kevin. A lot of people in that band. But yeah, Kevin uh, was in it pretty almost the entire time. Uh, Ace was in the band. Um, was who's in that? He was in it for a while. Yeah. Yep. Who's the fiddle player? Was that uh, was Phil Hurd? Phil Hurd. Phil Hurd. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Local guy. Uh, he played. He played with Tom Hall last. The Plowboys. Oh, did he really? Last I saw. I don't know if he still does, but he, I haven't talked to him in a little bit. But he was playing with the Plowboys for a okay. while. Okay. He's just a really. He's a great guy. Real interesting guy. But he's a 
really great fiddle player. Yeah. So you, you know you've you've played songs through the years that have that kind of emotional stuff, and and they kind of weave in and out of, of your songs. But um, it's always funny when I listen to the bands you're in. When I go back and listen to those songs, I mean, I know a lot of what we did was iterations of, of mm-hmm. songs you've done before in the past. Mm-hmm. But listening to the recordings, you can tell obviously your influence with the people that that were there. Going back to Lot Ness Johnny, you know, a lot of people don't know the whole story. Like that that band was almost. That that band was the the closest as far as a band, not with what you've done individually, but probably one of the most successful bands that you were a part of, or at least tell me if I'm wrong. But as far as the potential of where it was about to go, by the time uh, it split, was probably y- yes, maybe. Not uh, to offend anybody else, I'm not trying to say no, that, no. but well, I'll I'll say this: I felt like b- before it, there was a point where I thought we could do a lot more. Like I had a I had it sort of semi mapped out what we could do and it was a lot like we could we could have done we were doing well we were really accepted in that whole circle the whole celtic rock circle um we had a lot we had tons of contacts i you know across the nation i was like i I really kind of felt like we could do something really big there's at the time there was tons of celtic um highland games celtic festivals not to mention irish pubs that love music we were really i felt like we had a good chance to do something cool but that's that's the problem with having bigger bands is it's just tough to get everybody everybody on online, board yeah and so it just I, just I just couldn't make it happen because i couldn't get everybody on board but then i went and started american gun uh with todd mathis and i would say that band had more potential we didn't have really? as much i didn't, we didn't have that. as much i don't know if we had much success as Loch Ness Johnny. No, Loch Ness was longer. Don't get me wrong. Not that I, I disagree with the songs or anything. Yeah. I just think that I think the ceiling was higher for American Gun, but but it was the the personalities were more volatile, Clashing. more more volatile than American than Loch Ness Johnny. Right, but the ceiling was much higher because I thought like we were really had something going. Let me ask you this: Are do you say that that band had a higher ceiling because it was after Loch Ness Johnny? Do you not think you're judging it against that? I, again, I'm not trying to agree or disagree it just feels to me like the stories i've heard the stuff that shelly's told me mm-hmm. when i listen to you and ace talk about where you guys were with lot Ness johnny is it it feels like that i mean it feels you guys have some huge shows with lot Ness johnny mm-hmm. yeah i, I how do I, how i'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings yeah. no i think uh lot Ness johnny had a lot of potential but it was it was, in one sense, a sort of niche potential. Like it was okay. in the Celtic rock scene, and we were doing really well in that scene. And we were hanging out with all the big, you know, the big dogs in that scene. Like there's a band called Seven Nations, which was really huge in that scene, and we played with them all the time. And we kind of had all the same, we knew all the same folks and had the same contacts, and we were kind of on that that path. But that path is. Even though there's a lot of people who love that kind of music, especially at the time, I think it's gone down quite a bit since then. But it was there was a lot of potential for it. But I wanted to kind of be able to do that, but also kind of break away from it because I was more interested in the in the other. Like that, it's just there's a low ceiling in the Celtic rock scene. I mean, it's cool if that's what you want to do, and I did for a while. But the stuff I was writing, I don't write to that style we just played it because it was fun and we started out playing it was just really fun to do and we got we were in it and it was really uh, and it was a lot of potential to do stuff like there's plenty like i said there are plenty of irish pubs there's plenty of festivals like a really a lot of potential to do a lot of fun stuff 
But I don't know how much of it was crossover. In other words, if you weren't into mm. Celtic rock, oh, how were, much of it would were you gonna? To you? Yeah, were you gonna care about Loch Ness Johnny? It had been a little bit. I mean, even Seven Nations, who were huge in Celtic rock, had a hard time doing that. And I don't know where they are today, actually, but they had a hard time doing that. And they were they were you know arguably a, a good band, um, but they did really well in that scene. And and but even they had a hard time breaking out from it. So I don't. That, that's what I mean. And an American Gun. Um, there was there was a bigger ceiling to be had. There was a there was more room to grow, and we had a lot of talent and a lot of good songs. And initially, we had a lot of motivation to do it. And it was really you know I, that's what I that's what I'm saying. Like we didn't we weren't didn't last nearly as long. We didn't record nearly as much. But I I think the records we made with American Gun, at least when I was in it, are some of my favorite records I've ever made. Um, just the songs themselves, the sound quality. Like I learned a lot. That's another thing. I learned a lot how to make records by doing by making records like Ness Johnny. I knew nothing. I started out making a tape. Um, I barely could play guitar, and I moved to you know different levels of of making albums on our own. To we even had a producer at one time, which is another fun story it's a whole podcast you can make on that on that story is that the, the producer that yeah, I know? yeah. and yeah. we should if you want to do that that'd be fun but we have to bring ace in on it because he has a lot of stuff I know, yeah <laughs> there's a show coming with me you <laughs> yeah. and ace that'd one be of fun. these days that'd be yeah, a lot of fun because yeah, yeah. that would be a fun discussion but anyway but the point is there was a progression of like learning like i felt like Ness johnny had a lot of potential and i learned a ton and it could have gone a lot farther i really believe it could have gone a lot farther but it didn't you know, and so was that I, because of so many people in the band, or was that just because of the time of where it was? Like, what, what was that one? Like, I, like I understand where Lotness Johnny kind of fell apart. Like, I, mm-hmm. I understand where the wheels fell off on that, but, but I, I don't know that with American Gun. You, you've never told me that. <laughs> is, it when they kick, is it when they kicked you out of the band for being a snot? Is that what? It, is that what it was? I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's it's arguable i thought we had a lot of good stuff going i think what i really think happened was there was a lot of personalities that that clashed and it's hard man it's hard keeping a band together it really is i mean i don't know how to explain it like especially when you're as motivated as some of us were and especially as hard-headed as some of us were it's just hard to see eye to eye all the time especially when i don't know you you all want something great to happen but it's 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 just it can be tough, man, and and things just <laughs> things just didn't work out. I don't know how else to say it. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into super detail because I'm not interested in, in that conversation. But I will say that we had a lot of potential. We made three really great albums. I stand by those albums today. Like great, I love them, um, and I wish we could have done more. But unfortunately, that's a story for a ton of bands. By the way, sure, that is not that is not uncommon. Well, it's, I think that's a, like one of the podcasts that you and I have shared back and forth. I remember they were talking about that, about how there are some bands that have figured their, their secret out. Even after they're super successful, mm-hmm. they still have those issues. Mm-hmm. You know, money can get in the way. Ego can get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that can happen with, with any group. I, I remember the same thing about the blacksmiths. We all wanted something to happen, and then you just fired us all at one time. As, as the, right after a gig. It was amazing. Oh, basically, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that I, I probably have listened to – more American Gun though. There's a lot about that when when I think about partially 
a lot of that is because of the style of music that I play whenever I'm sitting mm-hmm. around playing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of speaks to me a little bit. Um, but there's there's a lot of their songs that I do think are brilliant, and I and, and it is uh, I think a testament to the musicians that were part of that band. But even a lot of the stuff that you were writing, um, don't was, get, don't don't get me wrong if I say the name of this song wrong because <laughs> it. So here's the thing: a lot of times, like when I say your songs, I I I, I get connected with a line in the song and I don't say it right. And mm-hmm. even when we're writing. Um, uh, set list. We'll we'll still call songs differently than what they they are. So don't don't crucify me for this. But Patriot Saint of Alcohol is is that right? Is that the name of the song? Just call Saint of Alcohol. Okay, okay, I was close. I was close. Close. I was yeah. close. All right, all right, close enough. Um, it's, it's a brilliant song, and and you played that at Shelley's not long ago. It was a song we never played with the blacksmiths. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely. And, and I hated that because I really do like that song a lot. I think it's I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's one I mean there's a lot of really good American Gun stuff. I don't know what, you know, I'm not quite sure what started with another band and you brought to them, but that one feels like an American Gun song. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. That yeah. was yeah. yeah. Um for sure. And I feel like that one really wraps up especially a lot of the stuff that you were writing during that time. Like it fits really well with that. And and I love that song. Do you mind? You don't ever play it. It's not something that's ever really out there on our shows. Do you mind playing that one? I will give it a shot. I actually, I hadn't thought about that one in a minute. Let's try. It. There was a second I figured out. The uh, I was gonna say the other ones though that I will say that are they're I'm really connected with are the ones that we play like right, um, yeah, yeah. um what's the one that you always you were never happy with how it goes how it ends which one's that not uh, oh uh, saying or um modern art blues right, there's modern art blues and then there's so the, you you've never been happy with that one not the recorded version no. right and then the other one that we always play this is the end of my podcast every. Every week. Oh, Sound of Blue. Sound of Blue. Yeah. Now, I will say, I will say, I really love the um, American Gun version of that. I, but I'm going to tell you something. I like when, how they did it. When we played that one live, though, and we yeah. brought everything down, and then when Sydney was playing sax. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Like that. Whoa. It's Sydney playing sax. Yeah, I was going to say, Sydney playing awesome. I like, Brian would do his own little jazz stuff on the drums in the back. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like it, it's, the, it's the one song off American Gun that I would say, all right. I don't mean to be all homery and everything, but mm-hmm. the, the blacksmiths got that one live. Yeah, right? and that, that, and, that was... and Jason did a lot of crazy oh stuff. Oh my too. god, he did yes. lots of crazy stuff. Like uh, besides yeah. the time Sydney would play, but before that, and every other time when Sydney's not there, which was a lot of the time, Jason, like even today, like Jason and I will play it together for for something like a duo or something, and he he goes off for five six minutes. It's awesome. That's one of the things I was going to say real quick, and, and not to interrupt you, but I mean you're wasting a little bit of air there trying to figure this song out. Well, yeah. uh, being able to play with Ace, being able to play with Jason, they're both phenomenal guitarists in mm-hmm. their own right in a, in a very different style, very different way. Mm-hmm. What am I, I I don't know if you remember the gig we played at Foxfield where I guess I, I don't think Chris could show up. Right. So we had Ace come and play with Jason. Yeah. And I was, you know, sitting back there against the drums where I normally do and feeling like I had the best seat in the house and I could have watched the two of them play. That was great. And it was cool because it was like two iterations of your band kind of meeting. At that has, has, has you ever really done that before? I mean, I know you've had musicians come in and out, but as far as guitarists, like the guys that really paint 
life into a lot of your songs coming together like that. Have you had you had that before? No, 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 not at all. Um, that was really cool. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how to say it. It was it was a lot of fun, um, and they both like played off of each other, which was really yeah, neat. And yeah. I mean, they're both great guys and they're great musicians, so they, they got it. They got it instantly, and, and it was fun. It was really fun. But no, I don't think so. No, it was really cool. I remember you talking about it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, there's no practices for that gig either. It nope. just happened. It was amazing. Nope. And like uh, the end of Sound of Blue, there's a lot of room to move, and that's part of the reason I wrote it that way, because initially, and on the album version of it, which I do like, that album ending, that one. I don't like the ending of the album version of Modern Art. Modern Art, yeah. But the album version of uh, Sound of Blue it has that piano part. It doesn't. It's not quite exactly what I wanted, but it's pretty close because I wanted it to be like. You remember the old Incredible Hulk TV show? Yeah, where he's walking away. Remember he's walking yeah, away. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what I wanted. That feel. That da na na. That's what yeah. I think. That's what I wanted. I rem- it it kind of gets it. It kind of gets. it. I so remember when you told me that at a gig, and yeah. I remember practicing the actually practiced the Incredible Hulk song, uh-huh. and I was going to very slowly work it in, and then I thought, no, that's gonna be too on the nose. I'm gonna get that look uh-huh. from you, like I shouldn't do it. I wish you had. But yeah. I, I almost, I almost did that one. I wish time. you had, because that was exactly what I was thinking about. But um. Yeah, going back to uh, Saint of Alcohol, that one, that okay. one to me kind of like grasped all that, and and I've always loved the feeling of that song and the and the words of it. Yeah, thanks. All right, we'll see if we get. Late at night in a hotel room I saw the ghost Of the patron saint of alcohol Lost in a hurricane With nowhere to blow Maybe the devil sold his soul Looking out for number one Looking out for you Caught in the thick of things Going for broke I saw you I saw myself in me Gone in an instant, babe There's nowhere to turn I caught fire And I'm damn sure gonna burn Looking out for number one Looking out
Looking out for number one. Looking out for number one. Looking out for you. For you All right, that's awesome. I I love that song. It's got a cool feel to it. I love it too. I haven't I haven't played it in I started playing it recently with with the more solo stuff, but I didn't play it for a long time because it was just I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the first songs is one of the first songs I wrote for that band, I guess. And Oh, was it for American Gun? I didn't know that. It wasn't the first song. It was, one, it was on the first album. Yeah. Which is, you know, in, in, my, in my opinion. Was that Dark Southern Hearts? Was yep, that the first? Dark oh, Southern yeah. Hearts. In, in, of all three, I liked, I love all three, but of all three is probably the, my favorite. And a lot of people's favorites who yeah. remember the band at all. That's got that's got the really good stuff on it. Not, not, mm-hmm. No, the other ones don't, but that one, that, the collect, from start to finish, that album is, mm-hmm. is awesome. It's good. Um, before we get back to the new album, I want to talk about the the... Actually, the way we met, we talked about Ace, the way I met Ace, the way that all of us kind of came together to where we're making music for a while, mm-hmm. talking on podcasts together and all this kind of stuff. I was playing with uh, my cover band at the time, Duncan Sims and The Accused, now shortened down to The Accused. Soon it'll just be The. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, Tom and David, were good friends with Shelly. And she had sang, I don't know if you know this, she sang... Uh, on uh, Gimme Shelter with Tom at something we did. I don't know if you knew that or not. I don't know oh, and she, she came to our practice and blew me away. Just phenomenal. And uh, I, had just, I had just gotten into play. I had taken 13 years off of playing. And uh, here, here we were. And then uh, Shelly asked us to play at her birthday party. And um, Dave was like, hey, there's this guy that's looking for a keyboard player. You mind if I give him your number? I'm like, sure, that's fine. And uh, we were supposed to go meet at Ace's house, mm-hmm. pack up my keyboard because mm-hmm. my keyboard is not small, pack up my amp, there's that huge thing over there in the corner, Right. drive all the way to Ace's house, which in my mind was three hours away at the time. Yeah, yeah. so very close. Yeah. It was very close. It may have been yeah. 15 minutes, but mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I get up there and I walk up and Ace is like, oh, did uh, Donald not tell you? First of all, I don't know who this Donald guy is. I know him as Don, but yeah, did Donald not tell you? Uh, he can't make it because it's drizzling in Charleston, and he doesn't like to drive in the rain. It was a hurricane. All right, so it may have been a hurricane, but to, to, I still made it. Yeah. And so uh, you did. I was, you braved the hurricane for your ten minute drive. So yeah. I was like, you know, forget this guy, and uh, I, I didn't think much of it. A couple of weeks later, like, hey, we're gonna get to Aces again. So I finally pack up. We go over there, and I'm sitting down. I'm like, great. Uh, so we were going to play and we we're going to practice this this album that you had written with all these musicians mm-hmm. that had recorded on an album with you, but had never played live with you. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> the most mm-hmm. the most clumped together version of vagabonds you'd ever seen for mm-hmm. a gig. We start playing. You're like, uh, I asked you what the uh, the chords were for a song, and you're like, "Do you not practice these?" I'm like, "No, right?" Because last time I was here, you you didn't show up, which started a. Oh uh, my God. Which kind of started a, uh, a, a history of me just purposefully not practicing your stuff, <laughs> which led to... <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. And, and always helpful. <laughs> it was, led to great gigs. 
the album at the time, though, you had. Uh, wh- uh, I'm sorry. Let me say this correctly again. When you opened for my band that time, oh, uh, the album that you had you had just finished mm-hmm. was uh, Lincoln Wright, and it was the mm-hmm. one that you. It's kind of is a really neat thing for you to do. It's a, a foray into uh, your grandfather. Mm-hmm. And his journey into Korea, and really not just about your grandfather, but the family. Mm-hmm. But you had told me one time that you got this idea, like you had found a book or a journal or something, where you were reading up stories about him. Was it wasn't his daily journal or anything like that, right? It, w- no, what was a, there's it? There's a, there's a history, a book, history book, a history right? Book. Yeah, uh, I forget what it's called now. I have it. I, I bought it. Uh, anyway, it was about the, the the Korean War. Is what it was. And he was brought up in it because I knew, I mean, I've, you know, my grandfather helped raise us when we were, we were kids. So he was, he told me all kinds of stories. And, uh, but in this, in this history book, he was mentioned for his heroic deeds. Like he was a, he was a genuine history book hero of, of the war, of the Korean war, you know, and that was incredible. And I thought, and it's it, there's, a, there's a whole long story of the whole thing, but the base the the basics of it are. I felt like his life and his accomplishments and the life that he created with my grandmother and my my mom and my family was worth putting into song. Much in the way that bards put heroic people into song, you know, back in the Middle Ages and and. It just it just meant a lot to me to make sure his story was was told in some way that will hopefully last on some level, even if it's just my family who down the line keeps listening to it. So it was is a way to memorialize him in a way that only I feel like I could do considering my, you know, particular talents, I guess. I think you know, every song on that album is is awesome. And, and I'm not just saying that. And they, they really, they they speak to you. The hooks are fantastic. The, the 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 vocals are amazing. They tell a story in a Springsteen type way, almost about somebody's family and what they went through. And I, and I, and I think it's there's not a bad song on that album, which is great because I think it's only like three songs long. No, but, uh, that's seven songs. <laughs> Thanks. It it is it is wonderful though, um, and the range of songs is. Di- I mean, you you look at Lincoln Ray, you look at Cold War, Cold War, War and then mm-hmm. you look at like My Lord, My Lord. I mean, they're very different. There's a lot mm-hmm. of variety to that, um, but I do think they tell a. I, I do think that those songs all tell the same story in a very different way, and it's a it's a it's a really cool thing to kind of go through that. Um, I guess I should say it too that that album was very important in in where I am today, where you and I are sitting today, because. That was like mine and Maria's like second date, and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I was like, uh, <laughs> that's hey, I'm I'm playing with this guy tonight. Right. He's got yeah. this album. It's about his grandfather. In You're the, in the welcome. War. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank <laughs> so then we played, and she was mesmerized oh, by yeah, it. Yeah. And then I get up there to play with my cover band, and Sydney hits on her the whole time, the sax player, <laughs> while I'm while I'm playing with my band. Um, but it, but 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 those songs are phenomenal. I think um, I love that North Carolina tells the story of your grandmother, and it, it, there's, there's a family story about that that I think is about your grandmother, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I do think they're amazing. I think um, I don't I don't want to sound cheesy by saying this, but as a guy that is a big Mash fan, mm-hmm. there's something about Cold Cold War that feels like one of the ones that Alan Alda directed that takes you in a couple of directions and and 
like puts you there. And mm. there's something about that song that I think is wonderful. But that never occurred to me. That's interesting. But that makes a lot of sense now. I didn't even occur to me the mash reference, but that makes total sense. It, it, it feels like one of those. It feels very artistic, and it feels like yeah. the, the purpose of this is to put you in the moment. Yeah. Um, but I don't know as much as as much as I enjoy all of the songs, and I've only play, I, I, to be honest with you, the Blacksmiths have only played a couple of them yeah. once or twice. We really haven't done a lot of them. Um, but it's really hard to beat Lincoln Ray. I mean, the, the song is phenomenal. The the, the fact that it um, gives a historical reference, but a familial one to your grandfather, I think, is amazing. It's really cool that his pictures grace the front and back of the of the app. That is him, right? Yeah, they're okay, really yeah, great yeah. pictures. Like they're like awesome pictures. Fooling around, but it was really cool. They're really cool pictures. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. And I think I think it's really amazing that you did it. But that song, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about wanting something that kind of lets him like live on and breathe on. And that that song, though, I, I feel like is one that's going to be around for a while. And I really like that one. Do you mind playing that? Not at all. Yeah. Uh, we, we've already played that song. Yeah, that, right. that, that, uh, oh my god, the, Sandy's got a pink sweater on. <laughs> Damn dog. Apparently, I like walk downs a lot. I like a lot of walk downs. <laughs> it's all right. They're good. Now Lincoln Ray was born today. The pride of Vermont And as he grew His mother prayed That he'd never want Lincoln's family Sent him away To work on a farm He was poor But he never complained He just worked hard Lincoln Ray Lincoln Ray Put down that shovel And lead the way world is calling you for this mighty chore Lincoln Ray, Lincoln Ray Pack up your Bible and lead the way Pick up your rifle and go to war Lincoln was the first to land and the last to leave. Didn't think he'd be coming home, but he had to believe. Lincoln had a girl at home. He made her his wife. But when his thoughts turned dark at night, he thought of her life. Lincoln Ray. Lincoln Ray, put down that shovel and lead the way. The world is calling you for this mighty chore. Lincoln Ray, Lincoln Ray, pack up your Bible and lead the way. Pick up your rifle and go to war. Into the mountain, in the streams, in the hellfire, into the screams, 
Stay with me, boys. Stick with me like glue. Gonna get us out of here if it's the last thing I do. Last thing I do. Lincoln Ray, Lincoln Ray, put down that shovel and lead the way. The world is calling you for this mighty chore. Lincoln Ray, Lincoln Ray, pack up your Bible and lead the way. Pick up your rifle. Pick up your rifle. Pick up your rifle. And go to war. Lincoln Ray went to war. Such a brilliant song and such a such a great tribute to Thanks. your grandfather. So, you know, uh, in talking about that album, though, I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't talk about this. So that, that's Shelly that sings backup with you on a lot of that, right? I can, her voice and yours match really well. That's is that her on that on? I think on that one, right? yeah, yeah, on that one, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 every time I hear y'all, like I can hear her plain as day in that, and, mm-hmm. and y'all's voices match great. You had. Um, uh, Sydney Mitchell playing on that album, did he? Sydney, yeah, Sydney played and but Mark. Mark Rapp, Rapp right? So this, yeah, Mark Rapp's been on the show before. The South Carolina uh, ambassador to jazz. The ambassador. To jazz. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, know. yeah, it's like no joke. Very distinguished. You had uh, Ace played guitar. Ace played guitar. Um, and Tide, no. Um, did who's played drums? He did play drums. Who's played drums? Yeah, like, who played, played bass? I'm trying to tell you. He also played the keyboards. Um, crap his name is escaping me he's really really great he's phenomenal and somebody that apparently has all the accolades yeah like a jerk Um, so i didn't realize it do you have show notes because we'll put it in the show yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah because you know they're up after every episode so 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 the bass player played piano on that i didn't realize that yeah okay we gotcha yeah um wonderful album though start to finish is great oh by the by the way that was what i think actually sealed the deal with me and maria is you're like hey we're gonna record a couple of videos and i was like hey Girl that I've been dating for a couple of months, you want to go with me? I've got a I got a video shoot down. Once again, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm gonna fake play on this video of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, for those of you that don't know it, Don actually played at our wedding too. Is that Maria didn't really know that he was going to? It was kind of a little surprise. And I screwed that up too. Yeah. That's okay. That's good. <laughs> so I played at the beginning before Maria walked out, and then Don played "You Are My Sunshine" because her grandmother used to send that sing that to her, uh, and both of us messed up the words yep. to our songs. Yep. <laughs> it's great. Yep. Yep. Well, it's part of the course. I've already messed up several times. So. You uh, so uh, speaking of Maria and speaking of the two of us, because we're big time rock and roll stars, we have a handful of uh, mm-hmm. uh, ex wives and ex girlfriends and stuff like that. <laughs> um, you're uh, you know, I don't know about you, but it's, it's so funny. Uh, your girlfriend uh, Brooke. Oh, I love to death and is uh, basically like a member of our family too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she does this with you. And I've always wondered this because you are such a brilliant singer songwriter. Now anything, anything beforehand, I'm sure she understands is like, although there is a song that I at least know, I at least know of one song that has Brooke in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I've always been worried about songs that I want to write because I don't want Maria to be like, is that about some girl that I don't, you know. <laughs> that, does Brooke ever give you jazz about that? Does she ever want, like, with the new stuff? I'm going to tell you where I'm going here in a second. <laughs> but okay, I don't know where you're going, but no, she doesn't ever. No. Okay, so you have a song called Third Time's not, the Charm. Not to my I, face. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> not to my face. Anyway. You have a song called Third Time's the Charm on the new album that I, I love. And what was crazy is you had sent me stuff for the show. You had sent me stuff that you were working on. And mm-hmm. then you sent me the album. And I had never, I don't know if you know this or not, I don't know if you shared it with other people, and just, but you had never shared it with me. And I, had, I was blown away when I heard that song. And I loved it because it felt, you know, the album, the album speaks and has its own voice to itself. But there's something about that one that harkens back to, you know, like I was saying before, when I listen to American Gum, when I'm playing the piano and doing the stuff that I'm that I'm used to, it's in my wheelhouse. It's actually there. Mm-hmm. When I played with the blacksmiths, I had to kind of like, all right, don't play this, do this. And I had to really concentrate. I know you don't think that, but I had to really concentrate on what I was doing. This is news to me. <laughs> that song feels like a very blacksmith song. Like uh, to, to me, maybe 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 more of a Latinist Johnny song. I don't know, but it, it feels like something that we would have done. Um, I always wondered if, like, I don't know what I, again. Just the fact that I brought Brooke up on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great, thanks. Uh, like you set me up somehow. Absolutely, I won't I know. Did. That's I won't exactly know until right. later if that actually is a setup. She uh, is not going to listen uh, to the two of us talk. She hears us get drunk and dribble she, all night. She's definitely going to listen. <laughs> that, that song does have a really cool heart to it that kind of goes back to, to those other bands. Well, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. Um, I started out, I wanted to write a song that I wanted to write a song that the old 97s would play. Like I wanted to write an old okay. 97 song. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. I want I like that feel, like that energy, like that fun. We we all their songs are about heartbreak and big and getting drunk, that sort of thing. It's, we potentially opened for them at one point and then that fell apart because people don't like me because I run my mouth and they don't like you because oh. you're stern. Remember that? At the Senate, that was going to happen. Was that close? I was that I, even close? That's I know close. It, that was a an attempt. I know it's as close was, as you and I get, dude. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, there was an attempt. I remember that part. I don't know if they got, how close we got. That was an yeah. attempt. Yeah, but the idea was, I was at an old ninety seven show, and I was like, I just love old ninety seven. I'm a big fan, and I wanted to write an old ninety seven song. Like, how would what's a song a fun heartbreak? You know, a song like the old 97s would write. Like, what What if I was writing a song for the old 97s? Basically, it was, a, it was another sort of writer's challenge for myself. Like, how would I write a song if I wanted them to sing it? And so that's what I wrote, but we recorded it way different. Like, initially, I had this whole oh, yeah? very old 97s feel, like very kind of country, like fast country punk kind of thing that they do. Um, and then after talking about it with Zach and Evan for a little while, we went through a couple of different things. And we ended up with a very different version. I mean, the soul is still there. The energy is still there. And I still think it could be an old 97 song if they wanted it. But it changed a lot. And it turned out being way different than I initially thought it would be. Like pretty much all the songs in the album. But that's that's where that came from. The impetus for that song came from. From watching the old 97s and trying to figure out how I could write a song for them. It's a, it's a good exercise, by the way, for any songwriters out there. like To write songs. Like, who, who are the people that you admire? And if you were to write a song for those people how would how it would sound? it sound how would it sound oh, it's, a good, cool. it's a good exercise to like 
to a songwriting exercise and see how that goes. One of the things I love about the song, you know, when I go back to your old albums and even with the Blacksmiths album that you recorded, the Pugilist, and then I hear how you sing now live. I, I, I I've told you this before. I, I'm really impressed at how your your vocal range has changed. I will say that I think that song, and tell me if I'm wrong, probably is one of the most challenging. And I think the the way you attacked it is yeah is incredible on the album. It is challenging. The, I know the one picker part is challenging. Oh, yeah. it, it is it's fine. Um, sometimes I hit it, sometimes I don't. But that's that is the challenging part. Well, yeah. we've we've had enough beers and talked sure, enough crap. You want to give it a shot? All sure, right. sure. Waking up to you ain't easy Knowing you're not really there Another morning guarantees me Another night up in the air Yet another demonstration How easy I'm so hypnotized By some innate fascination The slight turn of your eyes Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice. Break my heart, break it twice. Third time's a charm. Yeah, third time's a charm. Put the pieces back together. I shook it out and counted to ten. But like a ship without an anchor, I drifted back to you again. Between the devil and the details I forgot about dry land I got swept up in the very same gale That put us back where we began Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice Third time's a charm Third time's a charm Heartbreak is loud as thunder Will heal itself in time But deep frozen in the tundra Well that aches a steady climb I thought I couldn't live without you The pain was just too much to bear A hole so deep I nearly fell through And if I did don't think I care the truth on desperation It's a book that never ends But with slight imagination We could start it all again Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice Third time's a charm Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice. Break my heart, break it twice. Third time's a charm. Yeah, third time's a charm. Oh, people are going to so hate that that was a better version of the one that you just put on the album. That's you think? A, yeah, I think so. 
I, I, I feel bad for Brooke. I'm sorry that she has to sit and listen to a, a number one hit like that. It's going to be, you know, that, you know but uh, I appreciate her soldiering on, and it's one of the reasons why I love her a lot, to death. And, so. A lot of the songs on the album have a, have a, um, they're like a story. Like, it starts off one way, there's a build, and then there's a twist. There's a twist to a lot of the songs, and like that song, like Alaska especially, that song especially, because it starts off one way, and by the end, it's the kitchen sink, like I was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. It just goes into something different. So, in that respect, a lot of the, a lot of the songs in the album have an interesting uh, trajectory, maybe. They do a lot of interesting things, so I don't know. Where, yeah. where did that one start, then? It started off just like that. Like that's exactly how it started. Um, and we did. We thought we would do something completely uh, stripped down, and it kind of did initially. And I took, I borrowed uh, our, our good friend Scott Guthrie's half size or three quarter size what Martin guitar, the small guitar. Yeah, did you guitar. really? I yeah. didn't know this. Yeah, uh, he's, he'll love this. We wanted a crappy guitar sound. <laughs> so you called up Guthrie. So All I right. said, "You got that tiny guitar? Is that sounding good?" It's a Martin, by the way. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but yeah, it's, like a three, yeah. it's a tiny. I don't, I don't know how those work. But anyway, Martins are great guitars. But please give me a Martin sponsorship, be great. But that guitar, it, well, we made it sound crappy. I mean, it was fine, I guess, for a little guitar. It sounded fine. But it, we, we, we played it. We, we mic'd it, but we also mic'd it. But that mic was leading into an amp, and that amp was leading into another amp, and we like, made it sound really weird, like, like crappy they sound really crappy that yeah. was the idea yeah have a little crappy start guitar and it was going to be just the crappy guitar and me singing on top of it that was like the initial and maybe like a little weird is it was a uh, we we're going for more cake feel i think okay initially yeah <laughs> and and i think we kind of did i can do, feel that do, we still that. did yeah. do that but yeah. by the end we were like we wanted to go with a more like sergeant pepper feel we're like Went from cake to Sergeant Pepper, and like that's a that's a wide variety there. Yeah, we threw in everything. <laughs> we threw in, like it started off. With, it's just guitar, and like a a bass, like that real like, what is it? Like almost like a soft silk kind of bass sound, and then uh, and like a weird little. It's what is it? It's not a. What is that? What's what's the, what's the instrument? I can't forget now. Um, it's like a keyboard that you blow into. What's that called? Um, um, melodica. melodica. Yeah. It wasn't a melodica, but it's a melodica sound for the instrumental part. Yeah. So very, very simple. But then, but then we led into the end where like everything drops out and it's like hammers you with every instrument we can possibly put in there. Is what happened. So anyway, it was a, it was a fun journey to the uh, the waterfall. You know. It's it's that's cool. It's, it's funny, <laughs> cake and. Uh, Who'd you say cake and Sergeant Pepper? Sergeant Pepper. That, that's a heck of a. I, re- I remember. I, so I walked in. I remember this distinctly. As I remember anything, I, I, <laughs> I just finished cra- <laughs> tracking the crappy guitar sound I wanted, and I walked in, and Evan was like, "What do you think? How about this? We go Sergeant Pepper at the end." And I was like, <laughs> "And I was like, what do you mean by that?" He goes, "We just throw everything we can possibly put." And I was like, "All right, let's give it a shot." I, I love the variety <laughs> on that, though. It's like it's like you know, I was listening to the 1990s album. Tesla five man acoustical jam. And you know what would go great with this? David Bowie. Why don't we just put him in there singing songs? That'd be great. You know, it's, it's the conversations we had in this in the in the uh, control room in the studio, which is me, Evan, and Zach, were really cool. We went. It was everywhere from like, what if we took from Ween, and then like, 
and then a little bit of like uh, Pink Floyd or, or Radiohead. Like, how he, <laughs> Evan asked me one time, he goes, "How weird do you want to get?" He's like, "You want to get like B side Radiohead weird?" And I was like, "No, let's go like more A side Radiohead weird." Or um, and it, it just, we went we went and listened to a whole bunch of stuff like trying to find sounds that were interesting, guitar sounds, keyboard sounds, whatever. That but it went everywhere. It was really neat. Like we went from again from cake to ween. Like what does, what what sounds do we want it would make more sense to me uh, you saying this if i knew that if it wasn't that i know if i did not know that you do not smoke pot it feels like if you no. were a pothead it would make more sense what no. what what like kind of pushed you towards doing this with this album just the folks you were working with you, you the, the trust that you had with what you're seeing before kind of let you kind of expand your wings a little bit with the sound or yeah i wanted to do i i intentionally wanted to do something different i intentionally wanted to work with people who had different ideas than I had and I intentionally decided I wasn't going to say no until I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was Did you have a safe word when you were No, but there going? was at least at least once, maybe twice where I was like, all right, we've gone too far. I really? can't, I can't do this. Right. This is not working. But but we we you know, it's it, I intentionally wanted to do something different. I intentionally worked with these guys because I love their ideas. We talked. I mean, we had conversations, and they told me their ideas. I was like, I love these ideas. Let's give this a shot. And after a couple songs, um, I say this all the time, too, we sort of developed our own language. We were able to talk to each other and, and, and speak to each other and throw ideas without, like, worrying about each other's feelings or anything, you know. And, and if, no one didn't like, if someone didn't like it, it's okay. But we... Like I said, we developed our own language, and we were able to move through these these songs and these ideas very comfortably. And it took a few songs, which is why at the end of the album, when we were done with the last song, we went back to the beginning because we weren't as comfortable in the first two songs as we were the last oh, really? seven huh. songs or six songs, whatever it was, Yeah, and redid those because we felt like we were in a better space. It took a few songs, but it was it. I just really wanted to... I wanted other ideas. I wanted other different things. I wanted different perspectives. And I got it. I really got it. And it was cool. It was really neat. And I really uh, respected it and and grateful that they liked the songs that I wrote, number one, and they were willing to put in the time that they did to help me create something unique. And I think we did create something unique. I don't know if everybody will like it, but it's definitely something unique. I think... Uh, <clears throat> Speaking of stuff that people don't like. Oh, here we go. Okay. I remember uh, it was the, one of the first gigs I played with the Blacksmiths. We had this really great weekend at your house. We went and down to Todd. What's Todd's last name? The studio? Edmonds. Uh, Todd Edmonds. Todd Edmonds, yeah. yeah. Ultra cool guy. Yeah. Who? Yeah. who uh, he plays based on almost everything on this album. And then he did the, uh, oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Not that Todd. Oh. No, Todd down in Charleston with the studio. Oh, uh, Todd Brown. Todd Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Todd, Todd Brown. Brown. He and I, Return to Zero Recording. Go check him out. He's yeah, it's an awesome good guy. Good he dude. actually did the sound when we played at the Poor House that time, and we were like, oh, my God, this He's band needs to record a live album. And then, like, two of the members left right, right after that right. As soon yeah. as I mentioned it, people were like, nope. I was like, oh, my gone. God. It, it but Todd was like, the sound was great that night. Todd's awesome. Well, Todd's a great sound guy. He, he works at the Tin Roof a lot, and so yeah. I almost always, if I play the Tin Roof, request that he's He's there. Something. He's great. He's great. Todd's a cool guy. We went down and practiced at his studio. Yep. Went Return, back. Return to zero. If anybody pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. He's awesome. Mount Pleasant, right? Where is no, it? Where no, is that? No, it's the other side. I'm not sure what that is. Okay. 
Um, Closer to Folly. I'm not sure what that. To John's Island, James, James Island, Island? I don't maybe. Know. I'm, not, I'm always confused by the islands. I can't remember where we were that night. And then um, <laughs> we go back to your house. We get absolutely <laughs> we get hammered, and then we have to play a gig. It was October, and we had to play at the Rockabilly Q. It's the first time I played it. Yeah, that's why we we're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice, Dude, that uh, he, the guy that uh, that that was on the show, Simon Bragman. No, yeah. Is no, Bregman? no. Cantlin. This is why people don't like us. Simon, Simon Cantlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. This is why people don't like us. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> and he was awesome. He's also on the show. I don't know if you heard that show. Um, so we played Rockabilly Q. Had a blast. Awesome, awesome, awesome thing. Um, but I remember it was hot the next day. And we played at 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were underneath the tent. Um, Brooke and Maria showed up. They barely got there because we all stayed up way too late. Mm-hmm. But I remember after we get back home that night, after another day of drinking like rock and roll stars, you and Sydney were sitting there on the couch in your house, and you were playing this song, and I fell in love with it from the moment I heard it. Now, I'm just giving you crap because I felt like the song was going to go in a different direction, not that it's really far off from what I was expecting it. So it's just me doing the Chad thing where I give you crap all the time. Mm-hmm. I do love the song. If you were to ask me how exactly would I take it somewhere, I, I don't really know where it is, but... There's a life to that song that I love, and I think there's a part of me that wants to hear. I think there's a part of me that wants the the blacksmiths to grab that song for. I I think that's the thing. Out of all the songs on the album, which is crazy because that's not really a blacksmith song, mm. but it's the one that I would like to get a hold of. But I, in all 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 kidding aside, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. I think it's haunting. I think it's beautiful. I think it's. I think it's brilliant the way that you put it together, but I'm still going to give you crap about it just because I love to. But I, mm-hmm. I, I do remember Devil Walks the Streets was something that you've worked on for for a while. Mm-hmm. That song's had a life mm-hmm. for a, a little bit. What what was what was the challenge with that song? Uh, Making me like it is that what it is that what it was? <laughs> is that what? The, the challenge was there was a lot you could do with that song, and I I envisioned a really big big band sound horns. Um, you know, there's probably, gosh, I mean, technically seven or eight players in the song, not to mention different sounds and whatnot. We did a bunch of stuff at the back. I don't know. Like the challenge was just getting the horns in, writing the horn parts, finding out where they fit, but also making like creating a dynamic. So the end kind of ends in a way that is befitting of like how it began. In other words, again, like there's a story. Like it, it, it goes, it crashes. It goes up, it goes down, and then it goes way up, and then it crashes, and it becomes something unique unto itself. And then the horns and the background stuff we did was really important to making that song feel like the insanity that it really is. Like it's, it's, it's an insane song. And it's supposed to be. And so kind of like Alaska in the sense that it ends crazier than it began. And that's sort of the, the way I wanted it to go. Well, you have, you have no choice, but you have to play that song. Oh, of course. The devil walks... Streets at night, shake, rattle, and roll. The devil walks the streets last night, 
tell it to your soul Black shoes, suit and tie Gotta see to believe A Rogan Bones, a crow life size With nothing up his sleeve Devil walks the streets at night, careful not to offend. No broken code or billboard signs proclaiming this is the end. A folk hero with coal black eyes, a mausoleum of love. No reservations to hypnotize or signal death from above. Walks the streets at night. He got a mouthful of dust. He'll wait you out, cause he got time. And souls eventually rust. Make your mark, make your sign. Consummated on the dotted line. Calculated for a full decline. It's feast, famine, a bust. A profanation of trust. Oh, demonization of love. Devil walks the streets at night. Devil walks the streets last night. It's such an awesome song, and I and I love like in my mind. The, the the version of that song that'll always remain king was watching you and Sydney just sitting on the couch, and you're like, "Hey, I got this song I want you to hear," <laughs> and Sydney just starts like fiddling around with his sax. It's such a cool, cool. It, 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 that song, you know, there, there was one time I was at a gas station. It was at like nine o'clock in the morning, and Sultans of Swing came on, and I remember I was going inside to grab a cup of coffee or something, and I realized that hearing Sultans of Swing at nine o'clock in the morning felt so incredibly out of place mm -hmm. devil walks the streets should be played at 2 30 in an uber on the way home <laughs> like that it's it, yeah. do, it does it, it, it certainly has that feel you know yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a nighttime song i guess yeah mm -hmm. there's no doubt about that um we were talking earlier about uh, a lot of the folks that play uh played with you you, know, you have ace the, the guitarist and we, there's uh, not to discount the other musicians you've had Wonderful musicians that have played with you along the way. Not to mention me, oh, you know. Not to mention you. Because I'm not. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's your your videos. Uh, the videos for uh, Rumor of a Ghost have been phenomenal. Um, Phantom Limb is one of my favorites. We'll get to that in a bit. I'm not I'm not segueing into that yet. All right. But there's there's a couple of them that I I think are are, are really fantastic. When I think about Don Merkel videos, though, the, the video that I always go back to is the one that apparently y'all took, I don't know, like an iPhone and went on a camping trip. Oh. For, um, yeah. 
uh, what is that? That's um, Angry Man. Angry Man. Ballad of Angry Man. Ballad of Angry Man. And what I love the most about that video is Jason, who is phenomenal guitarist, is sitting there in a chair looking down at all the rest of y'all like he's a teacher telling a tale uh, of ancient of ancient lore. And I love that video. But what I love about that video is it's the, one of the most realistic videos it, ever. It, it there's, there's something about that one that's funny, but also endearing at the same time. Yeah, well, making the video was funny. It was. You said you you've told you said before. Do you remember that time we all went on a camping trip and made a video? I, I wasn't part of the band then. So I don't really yeah. know the story about that video. Well, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a very interesting story. It's just funny just to do it. Like we went out there, and my part was separate for the most part from mine. Was just like walking through the woods. It's very. It, the idea was I was supposed to start off and then meet myself like a younger version of myself at the end, uh, and like stare at him and. Uh, and the rest was just like guys around a campfire. And then we had the whole thing because Jason had a really cool truck. I think he still has it. And so we wanted the, we wanted the truck in the video because it was a cool truck. We're yeah. Like, right, we got to yeah, have a cool truck yeah. in the video. And uh, then we had guys around a campfire. <laughs> I don't remember even why we even decided to do that. I guess we had some guys helping us film it. And maybe it was their idea. I don't remember. But, and, uh, Jason didn't. Jason doesn't play mandolin on the album, right? I, that man, yeah. <laughs> but he had a mandolin and he kind of faked it really fun. And it well, <laughs> Jay, here's the thing: now that I've played with Jason for a couple of years, uh, the look on Jason's face yeah. in the video yeah. tells me he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> what you, what's funny about that video is like he's playing. You can see. I think it might be Stan is getting ready because we were like literally we were making real food on the fire. Like, oh, were you really sausage or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think. Dan or Kevin, I can't remember. Like, you can see him start to, but like we cut it. But he literally like tried to feed Jason while he was playing <laughs> mandolin. No, I didn't know that. And that was filmed, <laughs> but I guess we cut it. But it was like, <laughs> it was we were just being super stupid. And there were people actually camping, by the way, around us while we were doing this, and we were playing the music really loud because we were trying to <laughs> lip sync to the thing. It was right, it was a whole right. silly, silly thing. But it was fun. It was fun, and it was. It, we, we make fun of it a lot for some reason. I think it's a good video, but it's funny because the whole making of it was funny. And it's, it's 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 one of those things. It's a story. As a band, we went out there and did some stupid stuff and made a video out of it. And that's kind of a fun thing to to do and remember. And it's a uh, you know it was cool. It was cool. I you know I've only been a part of one iteration of of your bands, and um, maybe I've existed in like half versions of some of them. Um, but there is a weird dichotomy, though, that I think exists when, when we talk about that. You've got the seriousness and the very touching and, and, and socially poignant uh, words that you write for what you do, the craft that you have. And then you have a bunch of us buffoons that usually play along with you. It, mm -hmm. it, seems to be, it seems to be that way with all your bands, and it seems to work out. Maybe it was just more with us and the blacksmiths. I don't know. You can tell me. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm just curious. But that, that that does seem to kind of like be something that that you know it's funny. I, I think a lot of people have that when they play live, but they don't. It it turns around and it doesn't exist when they record. I feel like you bring your seriousness and your poignancy to the band, and then songs happen on stage. 
But there's something about that that I feel translates to the album, too. Do you feel that as well? Is there something that you get from playing with certain bands that kind of like throw you towards the next thing that you write? Or is there a song or two that you sit back and think, this is what this band would do? Going back to where you're talking about your exercise with writing songs, sometimes you think, okay, there, there's a band, let me write a song for them. Do you find sometimes the band that you're either currently playing with or maybe even listening to that was was somebody that you played with may kind of shape what you're writing? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I think I love being in a band. I love having a band to play with and to throw uh, creativity around with. So, yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. So it's... A lot of times I write a song, and if I have a band, which most of the time I have, I would just bring it to the band in the form, kind of like a little bit like the way I recorded this time. I, just, I would bring it to the band in the form that I've written it and just play it. And then everybody would sort of fall in where they think they think they fall in. And it either works or it doesn't, and then we'll figure it out and we'll talk about it later. So I think it's important when you're playing in a band to have fun. And I think we certainly had a lot of fun. Um, and for the most part, all the bands I've been in had a lot of fun and it shows like you're talking about on stage, like people notice when a band is having fun together and that translates to having fun into the crowd. And that's always a good thing. So, yeah. So if I bring a song to a band, to any of our the, the past bands, it always changes as to whatever the band, however the band works and so hopefully it evolves into a way where everybody participates and everybody has their say and everybody feels good about it because i think if you're invested in the song as a as a player then you're gonna love it and you're gonna play it you know as if as if you wrote it i mean it's you're you're invested in it and that's i feel like it's important as a band to be invested in the music and if you're invested in the music, then you put on the best show and you have a good time. And it's also important to be, you know, to be friends, to be cool with each other and have a good time. Have you ever had a time, and again, you don't have to say the band or the moment. I'm just curious. Have you ever had a time that you felt, even with your own songs, you haven't been invested in for one reason or another? That I haven't been invested that in? you haven't been, yeah. What kind of things take you out of what you're doing? Um... Like if I've written a song to the point where I'm introducing it to the band or I'm recording it, then I'm invested in it. But have after played it for a long time, sometimes I sort of lose interest in it and I'm not invested in it anymore to keep playing it. Like I'm not giving it the same thing that I used to. Sometimes that happens. And so it, and but in that case, sometimes it's just a matter of like retooling it or just just letting it go for a little while and then coming back to it and finding another way to play it. But if I'm bringing it to the band or I'm putting it on record, it's because I am invested in it in some form. After the fact, depending on how the recording went, if it's a recording situation, I might not care about it anymore if, it didn't, if I didn't record it right or didn't feel good or didn't, didn't feel like I, I did what I wanted to do, which is part of the reason why I'd, I bring songs back. You know, from the LNJ days or the American Gun days, like I feel like these songs that I invested enough time and energy in to write, like deserve a different other life that they didn't get previously. So, 
the the long answer, the short answer to your question is, I guess no. But the long answer is sometimes. Like, and but because I invested so much time into writing a song and bringing it to life in the band or on, on record, I generally try and find the best way to give it life, even if it means ten years later. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I got you. I saw that you put that capo on the guitar. I know where you, I know where you were going, so I know if you. Went. I don't think you do. I don't know where you're going. I thought you were going with Angry Man. I'm not. Okay, I'm okay. not. Okay, I love that song. I I think that song is fantastic. But there's a song that I'm always reminded of whenever I hear that song, that I would love to hear. Uh oh, what is it? So I I've always I've always had there's I've had this love affair with On My Own for some reason. There's something about that song oh, okay. and the way that it flows. Um, it feels very much like it was written on that camping trip. I don't, it, I'm sure it wasn't, but I feel like you warmed up to On My Own before you did Ballad of an Angry Man. I don't know what it is. Uh, that, that song feels very um, Don Merkel and the Blacksmiths to me. If, there, if there's a song that kind of fits right there, um, even when the whole, from the smaller band to the big band, with the sax and the piano and the in the in the banjo playing, and everybody in the world deciding, you know what, I'm going to sing harmony on this too, which is one of my favorite things about that band. Mm. Um, I'm surprised the drummer didn't try to sing harmonies. It felt like everybody tried to, but that song, it, it always felt like everybody wanted to be a part of that song. Uh, I was asking my wife earlier today. I was like, you know, I'd done some show prep for the show. I was like, hey, real quick, if, if there's songs that you had to ask Don to play, not from the new album, but you, if I said you've got three songs to be on, on the show, what would they be? And it, Girl in Texas was one of them. Uh, and, but On My Own was the other one. And it, 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 I think that song probably speaks to people in a, in a weird way. What, what's your relationship with that song like? When you talk about taking songs and bringing them back, I feel like that one is one that seems to not really ever go away from you. And there must be some reason why. Am I wrong on that? You're not wrong on that. Um, it's funny. That's a song. Whenever I'm messing around, just sitting around with my guitar, that a lot of times I'll just start playing it. It's it has a very comfortable melody, like a, or comforting melody. So I, I I end up just going to it just naturally because it. I don't think about it often, but it, it might be one of my favorite songs more favorite songs that I've written because I always go back to it just for the yeah just right. for the heck of it because it just feels good it always just feels good to play it and so when I sit down with a guitar and I don't have anything in particular I'm trying to work on I'll just start playing that no matter what key it is whether I have a capo or if, wherever I'm doing I'll just play it because the, the the chords themselves are very fluid I guess they're very rhythmic they're very fun it's like it's almost like a waterfall it's really it just feels good to play, I guess. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know why. It just, just I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of a it, <laughs> it's kind of a breakup song, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get too specific about it, but it is. It's kind of uh, um, yeah. It's, it's kind of a in a way, kind of a breakup song, but not in a way like oh woe is me. It's more of like a all right now it's time to do something else kind of thing. And that's yeah. maybe that's why it feels good to me because it's, it's not, it's not a down in the dump song. Actually, it's a very, it's very much a, to me, a very inspiring song to get up and do stuff. So 
that's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same thing from that. I can see that. Yeah. It, it is very comforting to play. It, for me, it's always a... When we hit that song in the in the playlist, it's usually somewhere in the middle, and it's not like it's a break song. Mm-mm. It's not like it's comfortable, like, oh, we need to see where we are and, 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 and survey the land and see which way we need to go. When we hit that song, it always just is a nice... I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, there is. I think you're right. There's something comforting about that song, mm-hmm. and so I can see that as someone. If if that's what it's about, someone who's like I don't know, maybe a guy at the bar that's like, you know what, I've been through this. It's time to get up out of this bar. I can either take the bartender home or go do something else. Like it, it, it does feel like it speaks to that. Mm-hmm. Poor Brooke. <laughs> got nothing to do. With She's that. never going to listen to this anyway. Nothing to do. With <laughs> uh, let me hear it. All right. Nothing stays the same when you're out of the game for too long. It's heavy looking back, trying to find the tracks, they're all windblown. I'm always shedding my skin, even from within, and I don't know. Where I've been, where I go, is the future so warm. It's when I think about how the way things should have gone. I'm still out here on my own. It's a thing to see, a kind of fever dream, gotta have it all. What's it coming to? Another clever ruse looking for a fall. I'm always watching my bat catch another rat, a thing that he's so tall. Well, shit never changing, it's a crying shame, think I'll be moving, oh, oh. When I think about how the way things should have gone. Well, I'm still out here on my own. It's all the same to me, we just let it be. I can make my way with or without your company. Cause when I think, sometimes I drink, and when I fight, also oh, right when I think about how the way things should have gone well I'm still out here on my own I'm on my own I'm on my own On my own
Ah, such a cool song. I have to I have to be I have to be uh, very blunt with you and tell you a, a small secret that I'm sure you never knew. Uh, whenever we played that song, I mean you're you're su- you're such a fan of the walk downs. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I can never get that one right. I don't know why. I don't know. There was something about it that didn't didn't wherever I was, whatever key I'm playing that in, didn't flow with the walk down, and I just stopped playing. And I just, I just and I just sing the harmonies like everybody else wants to on it. That that's what I do. Wow. Great. <laughs> Good to know. You know, we, we talk about performing and, we, you know, you talk about writing an album. And I'm curious, obviously, I think, you know, performing excites everybody a little bit more. And then maybe whenever you're finished with an album and you can say, I have it right here in my back pocket and I know it's going out somewhere. Maybe there's something to that. And then you, you judge your success however, however you do. But I'm curious, have there been moments with whatever band you're playing with or even if you're doing something by yourself? Where when you were done with the show that night, you you thought to yourself, you know what? I'm really proud of of, of what this like. Th- this feels like at least a taste of what someone who is ungodly successful and does this for their career feels like. Do, do you find moments like that? Where do you find that happiness and that taste of success as a singer songwriter working with different bands? Other than uh, wow. the chance to play with me. <laughs> uh, wow, it's kind of a loaded question because, I mean, sure. I think a lot of times, especially when you play a lot as a band or a solo solo artist, it's that one great show. And, yes, I've, I've certainly experienced it. Like one great show where everybody's paying attention. There's a big crowd, and they're they're singing your songs to you, and and it feels really good. And that one great show will propel you through months of horrible shows. It's 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 kind of like a drug. You probably know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like a drug where you're like, well, you're always trying to reach that that peak again. And, and hopefully... It happens again, and hopefully it happens sooner and sooner. So the, I guess the answer to your question is, yeah, sure. I've, I've had shows where I felt like, wow, this felt like a big deal. This felt like everybody got it. Um, but, you know, I'm not at the point yet where I have, you know, a lot of those in a row. Like, <laughs> I have to um, hold on to the ones that I get and then hope that I can build on those, and that's, that's sort of the thing, right? It's just building on, it's building on those shows. It's building on those albums. It's building on whatever momentum you can get. So, which is not easy to do unless you're continually doing it. And so it sucks that there were no shows for a year, yeah, year and a half or whatever it was. Um, so it's hard to keep that up. So again, short answer to your question is yes, I've felt that before. Um, it's, it's not consistent, I guess, enough. Not for me yet, anyway. But but I do know when I feel like I've played a good show, even if it's, like, not a lot of people there or, or maybe no one even cares. But I do feel like when I've played a good show, like, I feel good about it. And that happened, that happens more often than not. So, in that in that respect. You talked about the, the not playing and, and what – there's there seems to be a term going on right now that I think a lot of people are using, <clears throat> and rightfully so. And they'll talk about that they wrote a COVID album. And we all understand what that is. I've been cooped up and I'm going to do this and I'm secluded in my house and this is this is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't I don't mean to sound all ornery or jaded or very Chad like I can be with stuff like that. <laughs> but that was almost predictable. That, that that was almost like I could hear producers be like, "Hey, you know, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to tell everybody this is a COVID album." And that right. and that's what yeah. like and I if it, like I'm 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 being funny and I'm being tongue, tongue in cheek, but I I want to let everybody know this though. Like we played a great show on Rhythm on the River and then you you pulled the band to the side and said, "Hey, uh by the way, we're we're done. We're not, not doing this anymore. And all of us looked at each other like, "The hell's wrong with you? We just got done with a great show, you jackass." But you you had already had an idea of what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. This this album is not. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is not a lockdown album. This is not a COVID album. These these are yeah. these are songs that you've been doing for a while. As a matter yeah. of fact, during COVID, and I hate to hate to tell anybody this, but me, you, Ace, and our lovely counterparts all went off to the mountains a couple of times did a bunch of things mm-hmm. uh, experienced life in, in a secluded way yeah a couple of times but i i feel like this album isn't like trying to fit into that mold and i worry i don't want anybody to think that it is from, from this standpoint because the album does seem to reach some pretty dark depths i think it's what's brilliant about it is you 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 didn't have to be put into a hey here's a livable situation this is what you have to be a lot of these songs existed before you ever went into that Mm -hmm. and so there's something with me that i don't know tell me if i'm wrong on this but i i don't want this to be perceived as the quote unquote hey look at one of these covid albums I, i i it's it's not a it's not a lockdown album this is an album that came from the heart that came from somebody's soul and their depths long before this but I'm I'm asking a question because I'm curious if it had anything to do to influence any part of this. That was there a part of what you went through over the past year as a singer songwriter. Not that you were going to play with a band anyway, but even though you thought you were going to have some other gigs and didn't get to play them, turned you a certain way towards the songs or how you were going to produce them. No, uh, yeah, I, I didn't need a pandemic to to delve into the darker side of, of, of thinking or of thoughts. Um, that was already there. And a lot of the songs had already been, had already begun. Um, but the, the short answer again is no, it, the, the pandemic had nothing to do with the creation or the songwriting. The pandemic allowed me to explore different avenues of, recording these songs for sure because that gave me time time was yeah. a, time was a big issue like i don't know this sound this album might have sounded way different if everything was fine and i only had two weeks to record an album as opposed to over a year but no i like got th- these these songs have more to do that a lot of these songs began some of them began years ago and, you know and as i've gotten older uh, I do some songs I write pretty quickly, but a lot of songs I let sit for a long time. Like I'll, I'll take years to write a song. There's what's the what's the longest song for um, you? The uh, it's all right the way that you are. Took really, four years to write. Seriously, yeah. Wow, that's because I started something and I, I liked the chorus and I liked the verse, first verse, and I had. I had an idea where I wanted to go, but I couldn't find it. I didn't want to push it, so I set it down. And because of the 
I guess the the issues of that song uh, that's it, it's a little bit in the vein of um, Sunday Afternoon Killing Spree where it's a little bit more social issue driven I just let the next few years sort of influence however it went like I started off one way and I let things just flow the way they would because I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it I wasn't sure if it was going to be a song I really liked the chorus but I didn't know if it was there was enough there for the verses but the verses eventually filled themselves after a few years so that one that's one that's an example of one it's not the only one that's an example of one at least for this album that started a long time ago that I let go or hold on to and just let things grow as they do I'm not man some people sometimes people ask me not not a lot of people but some people ask me about writing songs and that and the methods and there's all kinds of methods there's all ways to do it there's no one way to do it sometimes you can write a song in an hour I've, I've done that before and sometimes you can write it it takes years to like finish a song the way you want to and as I've gotten older I've been more concerned about how a song is constructed and how the levels work and how what things mean and what the what things mean behind the things that they mean like sometimes I try to like find different levels yeah uh, more levels like you can I'm saying this, but I'm also kind of meaning this or this. And that's, it's part of that puzzle I was talking about earlier about constructing a song that has a bunch of parts. And sometimes that challenge is, takes a while. It takes a while to actually make it work. And sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it does work, at least the way you think it does. And that one did the way that I thought it would, but it took a while to get there. So. It's a long, rambling way of describing uh, just one of a thousand ways you can write a song, but that's that's the way I did that one. And but again, to circle back, you know, this this album is not a COVID album at all. The, most of these songs were written, or at least began, before COVID even started. Yeah, the only one I I wrote during COVID, but still wasn't a COVID song, was uh, "Rumor Rumor of a Ghost." That oh, actually, really? Yeah. Okay. Right. But it was about a sentiment I was already thinking about. I just hadn't really found a way to express it. I think as I was recording this album, I was getting, we were getting weird with it. We were getting weird with different uh, melodies and different ways of playing things and somehow it inspired something and again, something else inspired something and ended up writing that song. Oh, that's funny. I thought that whole song was about that night you and your friend went off on the bicycles with the axes and were throwing them in the Mm -hmm, park, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a true story, isn't it? it? That's a true story, right? A true story. Anybody thought that was a ghost running through throwing axes in the park? No, no, they didn't think it was a ghost because they called the police. Oh, so they knew it was (laughs) you. They knew it was real people. They knew it was you. Throwing axes in a park. So, no, that was, that's a different, that's a different song that's probably waiting to be written. Who was that, by the way? Uh, A friend of mine in Charleston, Jason... Wagner is that so? Is is he the original uh, axe throwing guy that they, they got that uh, they got that genre going? <laughs> it's so funny you say that. No one cares what we're talking about right now, but yeah, <laughs> we, we have talked about this recently because this happened years ago, and at the time, well, there we'll, were, we'll, tell, we'll tell the story. I mean, like, because it doesn't need to just be an inside joke. All right, this is right, a long, yeah. it's kind of a long story, but anyway, okay, so. I was at a buddy of mine's house, and we were throwing darts in his in his uh, yeah. Start out with darts. This is escalation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In his uh, garage, and uh, we ran out of beer. And so we ran out of beer, and uh, so we went up to the the gas station, got more beer, came back, 
and we're sitting there. We're like, man, what else can we like? We've been throwing darts for like an hour or two. What else can we do? This is, by the way, this is like one o'clock in the morning. And uh, I think Jason said, you know, we have some axes. Like I had uh, some reason I had my axe in the car too. Like our hatchet, they're hatchets. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We were, you know, we did a lot of camping together. We did a lot. Of, I have a lot of friends I go hiking with and camping with. So we had these hatchets, classic hatchets you can get from whatever Walmart or whatever. And he, he, he's. We took our twelve pack of beer. We put it. His kids. Oh my God! I hope he's not listening. His kids have bikes. We took his kids' bikes. It wasn't even adult bikes. No, they were children. They were children's bikes. (laughs) And one of them had a basket on the front, like a like the classic basket. Yeah, yeah. The girls' bike. I got you. Yeah, yeah. We put the twelve pack of beer in that. We had our hatchets (laughs) in our hand, and we were riding these bikes at one o'clock in the morning down to the local park, which is. On kind of a major street, but it was one o'clock in the morning. So we went to this park. I don't know exactly why we decided to do it. Obviously, alcohol had a part to play in this, but I guess we were just like, you know, how can we up the dart throwing ante? And so we went to this park and we started throwing axes into this tree as if that were the target. Right. Yeah. And like seeing who can get whatever. Sure. Anyway, I, was, I I have pictures. I'll show you later. I, I found some pictures recently. <laughs> this is literally five years ago, by the way. And uh, so we're, we're throwing axes, and we're making all kinds of noise. Because any time we get into the tree, we're, like, screaming our heads off like we were the baddest dudes that ever threw an axe. And we're going crazy, and we're drinking beer, and we're doing stupid stuff. But it's just us, but really loud. And in our minds, no one is around us. Like, we're in a – we must be – You're in, in the woods. We're in the yeah, woods. Yeah, Because there's a lot of trees, and it's a But park. you're really in Charleston. We're really, like, 50 <laughs> feet away from a house. <laughs> and so a cop pulls up we see him pull up and we're like oh crap <laughs> and uh jason like hides, hides, puts the beer in the trash can oh he didn't worry about the yeah. axe he hides yeah. the beer no no we had the axe no i mean i feel like i should not be telling this story <laughs> this is a stupid such a bad terrible story so jason like instinctively puts the beer in the trash can um and the cop walks up and he's like, "Why? Because you're underage? <laughs> like, no, because we're in a I don't know I don't know why yeah. we're in a public place. Sure, and, and you're just, and you're drunk. We're yeah, like sure. yeah. we realize yeah. something. This is not good. Why, why should <laughs> right. this be happening? Right. And so he comes up and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" And so we tell him like Jason's like, "Listen, we were <laughs> he didn't say it that way, but he's like, well, we were playing darts. <laughs> <laughs> my wife my wife said you guys got to quit playing darts, so we decided to come down here to throw." axes like that's literally the thought doesn't process. that make sense <laughs> right. <laughs> right as if this made sense right and he's like well people are complaining I'm like who's complaining he goes and he points like behind us and literally i could throw a rock and hit the house i could see through the window of the house that i did not notice earlier You're like oh my god there's a house there looking right at us <laughs> and we're yelling and screaming making like we're idiots and so uh, he checks it he's like where do you guys live? Like we live here. This is our neighborhood, actually. Yeah. So he checks all our IDs, and so we're thinking, crap, you know. And then he gets a call over his thing. I think something else happened. He's a call like he's needed somewhere, and he's like, "It's your lucky day." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, you need to get out of here right now." Like, yeah, yes, sir. So we Let me get my daughter's bike <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> escape. Yeah. So yeah, we drove away on our little bikes and stuff. So anyway, but the point, the the other point that was. Not that long ago, I was talking to him, 
and we were like just considering all the axe throwing places that have sprung up and all the axe throwing. We're like, is it possible <laughs> that, that cop that went cop somewhere? Went, he quit the force you, and he started you know the axe throwing. You know what jackasses I talked to tonight? He started the axe throwing. We should start that yeah. business. Why, yeah. why are we still on the force? Because I'm pretty sure. Before that, we saw nary an axe throwing business. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and yeah, so I th- we may have started. I don't know for sure. But yeah, we may it's, have right. it's, it's ironic. You and I, uh, one of the shows that we recorded was actually in an axe throwing business. It was at the. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Fresh. Oh, what is name that brewery? <laughs> We're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Bulls something. Be- <sighs> Rusty Bull. Rusty Bull. Rusty there we go. Yeah. Yeah, they're your good people. Yeah, yeah I know, God, Leslie, and I know. Don't tell, don't tell her. I forgot the name. Uh, when you talk about how long it takes to write a song, what's the? It, not that it means that it's not as good of a song, but what song came to you the quickest? If you if you had to say this song was one of the fastest for me to write. Uh, wow, I mean, Killing Spree came pretty quick. Um, Like, that's a tough one. I think. Um, Did fight song not come fast? Fight song feels like it, it flowed right out. Like that, that. I think fight song not was that average. it came from anger, but it feels like it came from like a a, a point of social import that, that was really fast. I don't think it, it wasn't like fast, but it wasn't long either. Like you know, maybe a month or so. But when I think fast, I think like a day or two days or something. Yeah, fairly quickly, I guess. You know. Earlier, um, especially early Loch Ness Giant days, I used to write songs really fast. But then I, I look back on them and I think, well, those aren't very well crafted songs. But I used to be much more prolific. I would write songs and I would write them and I'd move on, write them and move on. Um, which is one way to do it. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Um, that one was kind of middle of, the, middle of the road as far as how long it took and... I don't know. Maybe it could have been better, but that's. I think it's one that sort of made it through the. The process of not taking, you know, sometimes, a song comes quick and it's not very good, but you do it anyway. Sometimes, and but that one came a little bit, wasn't quite as fast, and I still like that song to this day. But it's probably rare that one comes that fast that I really still like today. I don't know. I I totally rambled on that that answer. I apologize. I don't know. I don't know. Let me hear. All right. Do that one. I thought you were going back. By the way, that beer. By the way, that beer I just poured is super good. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one right. of the it's one it's one of those sours that I like. If you don't like it, my mason jar will take it. I do not like it. All right. That's how you ensure a good podcast. Keep plowing there, people with beer. You know what I do is I give you the beers that I don't like, so yeah. I can take them. Great. If I could fight like you, I'd be a champion I could hang my hat dolling out in the hallway If I could fight like you, I could do anything I could walk away like a machine
I can walk away and I can make you smile I got something to say, I've been drinking a long, long while Well, I'm not a killer, but I'll kill for you I'm not an angry man, but I know the world and we can't talk about it. If I can fight like you, be a champion. I can hang my hat, darling, out in the hallway. If I can fight like you, I could do anything. And I could walk away like a machine, like a machine, like a machine. Follow me down Nothing left to say I'm all used up And my hands are clean I got my pride I keep it handy On the side There's a world of shame in a sad man's eye Like a sunken ship I hope to rise Got nothing to lose so when I fall down I'm not gonna cry about it If I can fight like you I'll be a champion I can hang my hat dawn out in the hallway if I like you, I could do anything. I could walk away, I could walk away like a machine, like a machine. You know, one of the things I don't think people realize sometimes when it comes to being a gigging musician and you want to play a bunch of shows, you want to get out there and you want to get your music out there. It's not so much of like, well, hey, I'm going to send it out to the radio and they're going to play it. I mean, this isn't the 1920s, 30s, 40s anymore. Uh, one of the things that I don't think people realize, you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to go out there and start hitting the shows. We've talked before. Um, I'm going to throw him a little shout out. He was on the show not too long ago. Actually, the last two bands on the show. Uh, Billy from uh, Soda City Riot, mm -hmm. and when he was with Black Iron Gathering, yeah. we did a couple of shows with him. Billy was always great about it. if you did a show with him, he's going to pull you into the next one. Absolutely. George Fetner, we had a great, great show with him at the White Mule. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite shows we ever played. Yeah. Was that one? That was really good. You know, a lot of times people, I don't think people realize the community that has to be there. When when Mark Rapp was on the show a couple of years ago, you know, he talked about the the. When he came into the jazz scene in Columbia, they weren't really wanting uh, anybody to come in and change their community. But but Mark came in and did that in, in, in his own really nice, not very forceful way. 
sometimes I wonder if people understand the kind of work that it takes. It's not like, hey, I'm going to send my stuff out to a bunch of places and hope they call back. There, there does have to be a sense of community. When you look at the community, whether it's in Charleston, whether it's in Columbia, you've, you've been successful in Greenville and in Nashville. Um, who are the bands and who are the people that have uh, traded off with you, been people that have like been really good about helping you get your stuff out so you've turned around and helped them get their stuff out as well? Well, I'll, you know, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, Duncan Simpson, the accused. I understand. Yes, yeah, obviously. One, yeah. uh, you, you brought up Billy, and this is what I'll say about about Billy and and his band. He's he's one of the he's a genuine dude, and and one of the few actually these days who does exactly that. Like he's really good about returning the favor, like returning the. Band. He's like he's always about community. I heard you guys' podcast. He's all about the community, the music community. His is the punk community, but for the music community in general. Yeah. So he's really good about that. So and he's he, great about the Rosewood one community. for sure. And he's a community driven guy. Absolutely. Yeah, he's yeah, a, he's, a, yeah. he's a good dude. And he gets it. He totally gets it. Uh, wow. Um, uh, there's a, this, this fellow, Jason Bible in Savannah, who I trade shows with a lot. He had a band called the Train Wrecks. They still play a lot. I, I trade shows with him a lot. He's a good dude. Um, it's tough these days, man. I, do you think people aren't doing that enough? I do feel that way. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if that's a antiquated thing. Because when earlier, like in the, back back in the Certainly in the Loch Ness Johnny days, but even the American Gun days, we traded shows with everybody. Like we were trading shows with American Aquarium, we were trading shows with all kinds of really cool bands, and it was like a it was a thing. It was you trade shows, you know, you return the favor. It it was a very it was a big deal. Do you, is, is that a COVID thing though? Is that because there aren't as many shows coming out of COVID, so people aren't doing it, or did that exist before we all went into lockdown and, and the shows weren't really as uh, abundant? I don't know. Um, I think it kind of existed before that. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I, I always thought it was maybe younger bands who were, you know, weren't interested in an older band. I don't know what, what exactly what the answer is. But I think that's important. I think it's really important. I think what Billy is doing is really great, and I think bands should do that. I think that's what Mark says. We talked about Mark Rapp earlier, and what he likes to say a lot is, um, uh, "Rising tide lifts all boats." Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's true. That's totally true, man. Um, I think it's important to lift each other up and to support each other and to trade shows with each other and play with each other. I don't think it matters to me and not everybody agrees with this, but you know, the bill, the bill has to be exactly the same type of music. Like I played many shows. We played shows with, with uh, the console society, the funk bands. We played with funk bands. Yeah. Yeah. We played with punk bands. We played all kinds of cool bands and I don't think a, a show a build show has to be all the same genre. I think that's not as important as just having a really great show. And so I don't know. I th- it, in my experience, it's not like it used to be. But I'm hoping it'll get better. And maybe COVID has something to do with it. I don't. I really don't know the answer. But I, I think it's important. I think it's really important for especially the music community to do that, to share shows, to trade shows, to help each other out, man. I think it's important because, I mean, no one's getting rich off of this. <laughs> I'm certainly not. Let's help each other out, man. Let's just have some shows. Let's have some fun. Let's do some stuff, man. Let's help, you know, let's, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a complicated, 
situation, I think, because I, I don't really have a good answer to that. Yeah. I did not know that you weren't getting rich off this. Apparently, you have not seen my bill for this show. Yeah, we'll, yes. we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, you just... I, can you just send it in the mail? You know, it's funny. I, I think, you know, with the with the band that I play with, we're all older guys. I mean, <laughs> half of my band's retired. And, and we don't, you know, it's not like we go out to make money for this stuff. And I, like, if it pays for my bar tab, I'm impressed with it and I'm fine with it. I do worry that we're not bringing other people along. I'll, I'll say Kevin Pettit. I'll, I'll, I'll say him mm-hmm. with his band, 48 Fables. They've brought us along into to a lot of things. I've turned around a couple of times to the band and been like, hey, we, we need to return the favor somewhere. And, and and while that's a nice and gentlemanly thing to do, I think there's also something about that as far as all of us helping people get different sounds out there. I, I worry that, you know, it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle with all the music that's out there. You can get on Google or YouTube and find some great independent artists, and that's wonderful. But when you look around at your local artist, you go somewhere. If that band's wanting to take up the whole three-hour gig and not have a local band open for them, there's a part of me that feels there's a disservice to that. Am I wrong in thinking that? I feel like there's there's something we should do as a music community to make sure we're bringing everybody along with us. No, you're not wrong. And I think you're right in that we should be doing that. And I think, like I see it all the time. Um, I, I pay attention. I'm trying to I'm trying to do stuff all the time. A lot of people talk the talk, but don't. You know, walk the walk. Billy is one of those people who walks the walk. Yeah, he does. Speaking of Billy, yeah. Um, yeah. and there, there are some others, but not everybody does. And I find that very interesting and unfortunate because there is room for everybody, man. Uh, and I hope that that changes. And I'm going to keep trying. I keep trying to change to trade shows with people and do stuff. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I think the only way it's going to work out as a community as you know a music community especially here in South Carolina is that we help each other out man and it doesn't matter that you're a punk band and I'm a indie whatever or you're a jazz band or a funk band and yeah I think those things are really can be really cool together and I, and again I'm not not everybody agrees with that but I like stuff like that which is sure I mean yeah. when you when or if you listen to my album you will find all sorts of weird stuff going on. And that's if that's not an example of the, the weirdness I think is possible that works and can be fun, then I, I don't know. That's just my particular ethos, I guess, you know. You know, it's funny. It wasn't that long ago, um, pre-COVID, when uh, Shelly brought you up on stage on New Year's at, with her band, Cottontown Soul Society. Uh, mm-hmm. Shelly McGee, Ace, is part of that band. Yep. And they were opening for Salt and Pepper. Oh yeah! And if there's not, if that's the, there's a big difference between both of those oh, bands, yeah. and the fans freaking loved it. Oh my you god! Know? Yeah, I think people just want to hear good music, man. They want I to have fun. S- I still love Shelly's video of you doing the point into the audience <laughs> as you're singing. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know. Frontman forever. It's, a, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's the point to no one. It's like, <laughs> that's right. Huh? You get it? Oh, you got that's me. right. I like yeah. that. Yeah. No one there. I have no idea. Uh. Speaking of the album and going back to to where things are different, one of the songs that I think um, blew me away the first time I ever heard it, and then the video turned around to be something that I thought was one of the most artistically brilliant videos I've ever seen um, was Phantom Limb. 
I remember uh, I, I I saw Phantom Limb. You you had you had sent the video to me on on YouTube, and it was a it was somewhere around nine o'clock at night. I was sitting on my couch, and I remember sending it to my ten year old daughter, saying, "You've got to watch this," <laughs> and uh, like and she was blown away by it. And it was it was something that that um, I loved about the video. The, the, the song itself is is brilliant in in what it is. Uh, the video was phenomenal. Um, the in here in Colombia, one of the th- I, I I do think the art Colum- the art community in Colombia is vastly underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark and I talked about that years ago on the on the show. Kanika and I talked about it before she before she jetted Colombia moved to Charleston. Um, but the Columbia Marionette Theater yeah. is a group that people know from all around the, the state. They're, they're wonderful in what they do, not just in their children's programs, but just in the art that they that they do. Yeah. I don't know how you got connected with them, but these fools made a Don Merkel puppet. Yeah. And, uh, but, oh, wait, 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 we still haven't settled this. Uh-huh. Because I think one night when I was drunk at your house, I even offered to fork over the money. To who buy it, to who buy it. owns, yeah, so apparently you don't remember this. Who owns that puppet? I assume they still have it because uh, Carrie and John Scullin, who they they created the puppet. You know what? You have to remind me. I, I, I will you, call. I'll call them. And I want you out. to call her and tell her that we'll, I said we'll to see, name her price. What happened? What happened was uh, when the video came out, we were going to do a show, and they were going to come out with the puppet and do some stuff. But that was right as COVID hit. So that Sherry canceled. It was supposed to be it. Foxfield that show got canceled or that I whatever was happening we couldn't do it I haven't talked to them since about the puppet I don't think because we talked about I guess we, we have talked recently or not recently but since then about doing something again with the puppet so I don't know for sure that they've destroyed it or made something else out of it because that was actually made out of another puppet like they took oh, I'm sure they refurbished yeah, yeah, puppet yeah, sure. yeah 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 I hope it's still together. But if it is, yeah, we need. I need to contact them. I'm going to say sorry right, right now. Every time I go down to your house, I have to sleep in some guest <laughs> room that's got this freaky puppet hanging in it. Yeah. If that puppet's not hanging in this studio within the next year. All right, all right. I will contact them. The the, the video itself is, is very well done. The, it fits the song perfectly, and that's one of the things. It's not only did they make something really artistic with the puppets, um, but the actual video, the way that it flows, is brilliant. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, the song itself, though, I remember hearing it before I ever saw the video, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I was telling you earlier tonight that I was like fooling around with the song a couple of years ago where one of the lines was is terrible and is cheesy about a broken heart being a non-union fracture, and I realized this is terrible. And here you are with a heart and a soul. It's only a phantom limb. I'm like, God almighty, Don just sucks the way he can write songs easily. The rest of us are just doing stupid crap. That song, it's 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 incredible. Like and and the video is just mesmerizing, but the song itself, I think, speaks for itself. I I'm blown away by it. When you were done with that song, you gotta be honest with me. When you were done with that one, you felt good about that one, didn't you? I did. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. It it so, you brought this up in a weird way before about waking up and writing songs, which is not accurate. However, writing songs, for me, 
because that's that's the thing that I do is compulsive. If that makes makes any sense. What do you mean by that? What I mean is, it feels like I have to do it. Like it feels like it very much feels like if I don't do it, then I don't feel good. You know, that makes sense. Like I don't I don't feel good physically. I don't feel emotionally. I don't feel good mentally. Like writing music to me is very compulsive very compulsory I guess and when I finish a song the way I want to finish it I do feel good and that was one of them like when I finish the song I feel like wow I, I did this thing that really makes me feel good and that can you know that'll last for a little while yeah I guess that's all I want to say about that is is, is writing music has always been that way it's always been a, a compulsive act and I don't know how else to explain it it's it it's it's I read about this before though. A lot of artists do feel that way. They feel compelled to create whatever their art is and that's in many ways that's how I feel about it. Like if I don't do it, I'm a different person. Um I mean you can ask Brooke about it. Like I I don't act the same, I don't feel the same. And so it took me a long time to realize that that's that's sort of the factor that makes me who I am. And so at some point, I sort of gave into it that that's just what I need to do. And so, that was a weird aside. But anyway, the point, the point I was trying to make was I felt really good when I finished that song. And it's because of the compulsive nature of it. It, it, it could complete that song in the way that I wanted to do it. So. The only other question I have before you play the song. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so, is that your way of admitting that to have this songwriting ability, you did sell your soul to the devil. Is that what the puppets are telling us in the? Oh, uh, wait, wait. What I, what I love the most about it, though, and it may have been in one of the outtakes that Shelly was like behind, uh, or it may have been in the video, and I can't remember. I don't think it was in the video, <clears throat> but your puppet smoked, which I thought was hilarious since yeah. you don't. But they, I yeah. guess, because you're Mr. Rockstar, they thought that you smoked. Yeah, we did. The, we had this. We had this fake outtake of the puppet sitting there smoking a cigarette and me sitting next to him drinking a beer like we're just waiting for our time to get in front of the camera. And it's just literally like a full minute or two minutes of us just sitting there not saying anything while the puppet smokes and I sit there and kind of look around and stare at my watch. And You know what it reminded me of, and I'm sure you don't remember this, but one time we played at Foxfield and somebody handed me a cigar, one of my buddies that owned the cigar shop, and I was like, oh, I'm going to smoke this while I play. And I had it, I had my, I had it sitting up there on the on the keyboard, and I smoked it for like an hour. And you kept turning around, and giving me this stink eye. And I was like, it's just a smoke machine. You're like, it's the worst smoke machine. Uh, and I that's where I realized, smoke. yes, I, I realized you hated it. Yeah. And I think I choked you for half yeah, the damn gig. It's the worst. Like it's worse than cigarettes. It's it's so, awful. It was so funny to me though that your puppet was a smoker. I was like, I've, yeah. Don's never smoked Listen, in his life. That was, that was. To be funny, that was right. that was one minute or two minutes of humor. Gotcha. And then that puppet never smoked again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know that he's still alive. He will. He will adorn. Oh, yes. He will oh, adorn yes. the frame of this studio at, at some point. But that's a whole other podcast. Is my obsession with uh, the devil. So. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's what, didn't we? Uh, the, the last time you played at Shelley's house, we made a drinking game. Every time I mention the devil. Every time you mention the devil. And what's funny is like you played four songs and we all got tanked. Yeah. And, right, well, yeah. eventually I'm going to write the album, the devil's album, number one. 
And number two, it'll be just the greatest, or the greatest, all of my devil songs, which could it fill up an like, album. Like every song. You everyone, yeah. everyone. Everyone. On a dark and stormy night, I found the devil in an easy chair, alone and cold, facing into the wind. So don't be frightened by the ones that'll break your heart. After all, it's only a phantom limb. The streets are empty. Voices carry through the trees and into the night. If it were easy, everyone would be alone. The soft machine by candlelight. The soft machine by candlelight. Pictures moving, epitaphs stand accusing, memories are a thing of the past. Standing still, you'll never make the great escape, the end of the road for those who last, and those who last will be outcast. Stormy night, I found the devil in an easy chair. Alone and cold, I grew closer to him. So don't be frightened by the ones that'll break your heart. After all, it's only a phantom limb. After all, it's only a phantom limb. You know, I love the new album. We've been talking for three hours now and drinking for four. And um, I'm, um, I absolutely love it. I think people are going to really appreciate it. And I think the thing about it is like, I don't just want them to hear that your new album, I want them to find all your stuff. And, and it's hard because I don't think Loch Ness Johnny stuff's on iTunes, is it? It's not. American Gun is. American Gun is, yeah. Anything else? Uh, Bare Knuckle Champions, do they make uh, iTunes at all? No, we never recorded an official album. We started to make an album, but ended up some of those songs ended up on the Blacksmith's album, the first Blacksmith's album. But no, um, none of the Loch Ness Johnny stuff is. Uh, we'll see. I might, if I can, depends. Hey, if things go well with this album, maybe I'll, ha- I'll have the, the money to put everything else up online. I might do it. But right now, I'm just trying to work on what's, what I'm doing right now. You know, we were talking about Billy and them. Did you, I don't know if you... You said you listened to that last episode. I don't know if you listened to the whole thing, but uh, Billy's getting the Black Iron Gathering back to playing New Year's at uh, Foxfield. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe if he asked the blacksmiths to open. I don't know. <laughs> um, when I listen to the album, if you'll 
if you'll allow for me here at the very end of this to be able to to wax a little bit for a second. When I listen to the album, I, I, I love it. It's very different. It's very different than the things you've done before. Um, I can I can really tell it's something if you wanted to explore certain spaces. It's fun to be able to listen to you play the way you probably wrote them tonight. It's fun, though, to listen to the album because I want to hear uh, different ideas and where you may want to go with things. And I like that. One of the things that I think is awesome about the, the album is um, throughout the entire album on, on, on every song there seems to be some kind of if, if it's not like discordant piano which is very obvious in, in some of the songs some some little bit that doesn't match and then suddenly suddenly it all comes together on it's all right the way that you are suddenly that discordant piano matches what you're playing and everything's in tune and everything's perfect and and everything like fits, and th- this is this is a song where you're, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me playing the piano yourself. But it is funny how the entire album stretches out in its arms in an octopus type way, go out in different directions. But that song seems to be the centerpiece that you can find the discordant stuff or the out of place stuff or the I'm trying or the kitchen sink things like we've talked about before. But it's all right. Comes back and, and and for a song that is so poignant, that it's so um, that's so timely, that even with your crowdsourcing of this album, turned around and crowdsourced a video, so much so that that both of my daughters and me, the studio, and even my dog is in, and plus a whole slew of other people and mm-hmm. friends that that we have, that all come from different walks of life. Was that by design? Or is that a happy accident that it turned out that way? That the video involved all walks of life? No, this song. I mean, like everything was so discordant in some, so many other places. And then you have the song where the piano at the very beginning is so, yeah. it's, 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 it's so front, forefront, so much at the forefront. And then it, it builds from there. And so it's almost like it brings all the stuff that's trying to find its place in a song yeah. that talks about finding your place in life. Was, was that mm-hmm. on purpose? Um, the way it's on record, no, was kind of by accident. Uh, like I started it one way and Evan actually came up with the piano parts. I, I learned how to play it from him cause he, he played it, but he, like I started off just playing guitar and then he and, and maybe Zach decided, well, let's just cut out the guitar for a little bit and see, I guess they heard something else. And so we we had these like, because I told him I was like, what I wanted this, this song to do, I wanted the song to build. Number one, that was important to me, to build into a big crescendo like you're talking about. I also wanted it to be stupid catchy. Like I wanted the, I wanted the huh. chorus to be stupid catchy. Like I didn't okay. care. Like the verses are important. I wrote those specifically. Why why was that important to you? Because the the chorus was the important part. Like the chorus is the part that you should remember like it because it's the easiest part it's the it's the part about being who you are it's about not forgetting that it's okay to be who you are it's not it's not forgetting that it's normal to be who you are that sort of thing and the rest has to do with that supports it but it was important to me that if you don't remember anything about this song you remember that chorus that was the idea anyway and i wanted to build build and build and build and build 
And so I started it one way, and then uh, Evan wanted to. He, he thought, well, let's let's cut out the guitar for a little bit and bring the guitar in later and start off with the piano. And so that's how that started. But it worked great, exactly like you're saying. Like it, it makes sense. So and so in the video, the, the song was always about inclusivity. It's about always about everybody and everybody. And so the video was done that way on purpose to get everybody involved in all different walks of life involved. And that was the intention of the song. But when you're talking about how it builds from the piano to everything else, the piano part started with Evan. He, he, he took that initiative to change that part. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a beautifully done song. It, it's a very, a very important song. I think out of all of them, um, you know, I, I told you before, and I, I think I, I think I texted you this uh, one day. As a matter of fact, I believe I pulled over to the side of the road and texted you this, that I liked the songs. Here's what I liked. And Devil Walks the Streets could have been, yeah. But I think one of the things that I told you was I think that It's All Right is one of the most important songs you've ever written. And it, and it feels that way. But what I love about it is it doesn't seem to be, hey, here's a song that has a message, because it does. But it's also a great song. It's just a fun song. And and I think it's one of the best things that you've ever done, and and I think to me it it highlights the entire album. Do you do you feel that way about it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And thank you by the way. But yeah, definitely. And I I wanted it to be, and that's why it was. We we tried to make the video as important or as as big as we could. I don't know that everybody saw it, but excuse me. That wanted to be. I wanted that to be like the first real single. We had a couple of singles that. Yeah, we had to yeah. take back. Yeah, <laughs> because we. <laughs> Because we changed them, yeah. We changed, we changed some things. And we I'm going to put these out over, here, yeah. and then I'm going to change Listen, them. Listen, yeah. Kanye West does it all the time, <laughs> so I didn't give, I didn't care. Like he, he puts a song out, changes it immediately. Uh, uh, yes, yes. People mistake broke for Kim Kardashian <laughs> all the time. Well, my my career is on the parallel to Kanye West. Yes, yes, so yeah. That's why I look at it. Yes. I had no problem. I'm like, fine. We'll take, we'll just take those back. But that was the first like real single, right? right. <laughs> and. And yeah, exactly. I think it's. I think it might be the most important song on the album. Well, I've enjoyed the three hours we've been sitting here talking. Oh, has it only been three hours? Yeah, it's only been three hours. Can't believe the time flies. I, ha- I have more alcohol. When so. you're hanging with Chad, yeah, yeah. The, the, the more we drink into it, the more mistakes we're going to make, and uh, the yeah. drunker I'm going to sound. But yeah. out of all the songs that we could end on, um, I think the most important and the most. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think one of the most poignant statements you've ever made as a musician is this song and. What's crazy is I absolutely love this song. And uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for admitting that. Because uh, I normally don't like your stuff. You just pay me to play it. Yeah, right. But I, I did enjoy the fact that we got to play this song the other day. Yeah. That was and cool. kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, here's to you. Here's to the success of Rumor of a Ghost. I think it's a wonderful album, man. Thanks, man. And, Thank and, and I want to uh, continue to see it do better. Even if. Uh, even if you fired all of us. <laughs> Eric Eric would kill me if I didn't say that. <laughs> this is how rumors spread, by the way. That's this right. is how terrible rumors <laughs> spread. Strike a match, 
watch it burn. Raise your voice and be heard. See the world and watch it turn. Cause it's alright. Clap your hands and stomp your feet. Strike a chord, skip a beat. Be absolute and unique. Yeah, cause it's alright. Cause it's alright and it's okay. The way you move, the things you say, it's alright. It's alright the way you walk, the way you think, and the way you talk. It's alright. Ain't no man on a hill telling you how to feel. Make it raw, make it real. Yeah, cause it's alright. Raise your hand, raise the stakes. Make a fist, make a shake. Never bend, never break. Yeah, cause it's alright. Cause it's alright, and it's okay. The way you move, the things you say, it's alright. And it's alright, the way you walk, the way you think, and the way you talk, it's alright. Take a knee, take a stand Make a choice, make it grand Make some noise, strike up the band Yeah, cause it's alright Cause it's alright, and it's okay The way you move, the things you say, it's alright It's alright the way you walk, the way you think, and the way you talk. It's alright. And it's alright the place you go, the way you stand, the things you know. It's alright. Take a stand for what you see, the words you speak, the air you breathe. It's alright. Yeah, it's alright. Ah, it's alright.